Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. I started a message last week that uh, is a series that's going to go about five weeks. That's called the unstoppable force. Why? The unstoppable force in the kingdom of God is no other than the power of your mouth through prayer. I'm here to give you some good news, church. Are you ready to, to, to get excited? Nothing in this world is more stronger than the power of prayer. Glory to God. Because it is the tool and the weapon that God uses to move his hand to, to come into alignment of what you're praying about when it's according to his word. And he's waiting for us to open our mouth to release that which comes out of our mouth according to his word. Last week, we understood that the concept of prayer or the principles of prayer actually came from Genesis 1. Most people, some of you came to me and said, Pastor George, I've never heard it preached that way. Genesis 1, 26, the famous scripture says, let, and let us make man and in our image. And what did he say? And let, watch this, let them have dominion. When God says, let them have dominion, he started a perpetual law that could not be stopped because whatever comes out of God's mouth cannot be returning void to him. So when he said, let them have dominion, that means he's waiting on us to have dominion on the earth through prayer. That's why God says, if my people that are called, if is a condition, not an unconditional promise. Some people think revival is going to happen because it's just time. Listen, I hate to bust your bubble, but time is not an indicator of when God is going to our spirit is when we come into alignment with his word and his word says if my people that are called by my name are humble themselves and what have events have conferences have preaching gatherings come on if they humble themselves and pray that was a good spot to say amen and turn from their wicked ways so you see prayer and repentance always are mingled together then that word then means i won't do it unless these two things happen first then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. So what does that mean? Genesis 1 says, it, he's, he's, he's claiming Genesis 1 as a principle saying, I'm not going to move on the earth until I'm invited through partnership, through prayer. That's why, I, 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 this is a review from last week, Jesus had to come as a man. He didn't come as a spirit being just floating around. You know why? Because God says, let man have dominion. So he, fulfilling his own word, said, I'm going to be subject to my own word, and I'm going to become a man, not a spirit floating around. I'm going to be, take on flesh, a, a limitless God, going to take on flesh to execute the plan of God. So prayer is powerful, and, and we don't use it. Because most people think prayer is boring. They may think like me. I said a, a, a little testimony last week. When I was growing up, I thought prayer was for the old grandmas with a prayer shawl on them. And you just go over there and you just have those prayer meetings. And I'm the preacher. And I'm just going to, I'm going to preach. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'm not going to pray. Do you know that the, the, uh, that the, the, the Bible says the job description of Jesus right now in heaven is he sits at the right hand of the Father ever living to intercede for you and I. Boy, I could pray some powerful prayers, but could you imagine Jesus praying for you? Wrap that around your head. Wrap that, wrap that the Son of God is, is praying to the Father for you. If any prayer is going to be answered, it's Jesus' prayer. But he needs cooperation and partnership. Can I hear an amen? Now, why do I say that? I'm going to talk about a level two this morning about the weapon. Everybody say weapon. And the power of... And the authority, 
please hear me now. The authority that every believer in Christ has as a Christian. Now, when I say authority, I don't mean rudeness. And when I say authority, I don't mean domineering. When I say authority, I mean authority over demonic powers and, and authority to release heaven on earth. Come on, you're being too quiet in here. Now, watch this. Matthew chapter 18. If you're there, say amen. Verse 18 says this. Assuredly, I say to you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Notice that Jesus says whatever you bind. Notice that, all right? I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, oh, I love this, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, that is speaking of prayer. If you, if you agree with anything that they ask, it will be done for them, according to God's will, by my Father in heaven. For where there two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Church, I want to say something to you. When Jesus says, I, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, what does he really mean by that? Does he mean like, like you take physical things and bind them and then he's going to physically bind them in heaven? No, of course it's not. What is he saying? Whatever you loose on earth will should be loose in heaven. What does that mean? Now, we, especially in the, in the non-denominational or charismatic world, we use those words very loosely. You know, binding and loosing. But what does it really mean? It's powerful to understand that as believers, Jesus has given us power and ability, watch this, to disrupt, to frustrate, to cancel, to destroy the plans of darkness through the weapon of prayer. He's given us a tool to absolutely disrupt in our uh, the plans of the enemy in our family's life, in our business, and our personal lives if we just open up our mouth and convert our thoughts to prayer. See, we think a lot, but we don't pray a lot. If you would just think about all the stuff that you're worrying about and convert those thoughts into prayer, we'll be some powerful Christians. Man, if only God would do this, man, if only God, man, I'm stuck in a rut, man. You know, those thoughts, convert them to in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, right now that you would move on my sister's behalf instead of, oh, my God, my sister, my sister, my sister. Transform your thoughts into prayers, and you watch God move. Now, what is bind? Look at the first point. I want you to write your notes here. I put have some points here. The word bind in the Greek means deo. Deo. <laughs> That's an old those of you who are 40 and over, you know what I'm talking about. Deo. So D-E-O. <laughs> okay, let's get spiritual again. The word bind means to wrap around and fasten someone or something with chains. Now, you may think that's, that, that's no big deal, but the devil has made it a job description all his life to wrap people with chains. Yet when we bind something, the Lord uses his own chains and binds him. Look, he, to wrap around and fasten someone with chains to put under, oh Lord, I'm going to shout, to put under obligation of the law. This is actual literal Greek definition of the word bind. The New Testament was also translated in the Greek. So in the Greek, the word D-E-O means to fasten someone with chains to put under obligation of the law. Say law. 
So in the natural, when someone is bound in the natural, what they're really saying is they are put under arrest. And for that moment, they have to be obligated to the law. You know where I'm going with this. So in the spiritual, what happens when you take authority and you bind the enemy or you bind darkness in prayer, you're putting the enemy under arrest and he, you're making him subject to the law of God for the situation that you're praying about. You say, what do you mean uh, uh, sub subject the devil to the law of God? When you bind, you wrap him up and you immobilize the devil so he has to shut up and be subject to the law of God that says, no, you're not going to convince that person that healing is not true. You're going to stay quiet because by his stripes we are healed. Or, or, or you have no right to bind that person up, devil, or the, the enemy, because of the fact that the cross has set this person free. So guess what? When you pray and you bind. I'm not saying that you have to talk to the devil all the time or have a conversation with the devil. You take your position in Christ in your authority and you say, I bind those things that are trying to take my daughter away from God's will. I bind those negative thoughts. I bind those, those chains and I, loose, I set them free. You know what? God will move. See, the problem is you don't, half of the church doesn't believe it. They think it's boring, it's boring or they think it's just for a movement. It's not a movement. It's a Bible reality. Listen, you know what the word loose is? So he said, whatever you bind in heaven shall, shall be bound on earth. I mean, bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. So in other words, so once you bind by prayer, God says, thank you very much, daughter. Thank you very much, uh, son. I'll take it here from here. And then he does the power. He does the binding in the spirit realm. He puts the handcuffs on the devil, but it starts with your words. I feel like preaching better than you're saying amen. The word loose, put that next slide up there. So he says, and you, and, and everyone who loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Oh, I'm going to be happy. You're going to be happy. I looked this word up. To set free and loose any person or thing. This is the Greek. By the way, the word, the, the word, the Greek word there is L-U-O, luo. To, to loose in the Greek means luo. And it means to set free and loose any person or thing from bonds or shackles. Watch this. I love this part, this definition. To unbind and to undo. <laughs> You know why that is so funny to me? Because what loosing actually is, by definition, when you loose, you're actually undoing everything that the devil took so much time to do. And you're going right behind him and undoing everything he does. That's why the devil hates prayer. That's why the devil wants to discourage you to pray. Because every time you pray, you're undoing everything he took so much time to do. You're, you're undoing everything. I don't know about you, but the most frustrating thing is when you take time to do something and, and 15 minutes later you took a week to do something and 15 minutes later a storm comes and undoes everything you work so hard to do. And, you know, if you're like me, I don't wash my car with my hands. I, go to, I pay somebody to wash my car. But even then, the most frustrating thing is when you wash your car and you pay hard money for it and all of a sudden you you, you paid $50 to vacuum it and wax it, and 15 minutes later it starts to rain, and all the mud and the dirt comes splashing back on your car. That's frustrating. You know what that does? It's undoing the car wash. Do you know what is happening when you loose? You have the authority to say, I loose freedom in that person. I loose the power of God over this through prayer in Jesus' name. I loose my son from those chains in the name of Jesus. It, is, it angers the enemy because you're undoing everything he's he binded. Imagine a kid just going behind you. It's like, it's like the enemy wrecks your home, and as soon as he wrecks your home, there's someone behind you putting everything back together. 
Imagine a little kid coming behind you and, and, and undoing everything you've worked so hard to do. It's frustrating. That's what we do in the natural. But here's some good news. Turn to your someone and say, here's some good news. That word or phrase, bind and loosing, became very popular in the first uh, book of the gospel, which, watch this, this is, is going to be a revelation. This is a revelation for you. In the first book of the gospel, Matthew, Jesus says the same thing, but this time he says a, a very important phrase that he, he didn't say in the opening scripture. When he's talking to Peter, and he says the whole binding and loosing again with Peter, but he says something different that is so important for you to have a revelation on the power of personal prayer. Not just corporate prayer, personal prayer. Sir, say personal prayer. When Jesus is looking at Peter and he says, who does man say I am? He says, you're the son, you're the son of God, the son of the living God. Jesus replied to him and says, you got this by revelation. My father revealed this to you. No human being revealed it to you. And he says, I now, are you ready for this? Have given you the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom. And then right after he says keys, he says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. This is in Matthew 16. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So in Matthew it, in, in uh, Matthew 18, he starts off by saying, whatever you bind and loose, whoever, uh, two, of you, two or three are gathered together in, pray, in prayer, I should do it. But in Matthew 16, the first time you hear binding and loosing, he says, I've given you the keys. Watch this. Why is this so important? Because in the spirit realm, spiritually, the kingdom of God has access points and doors that could only be opened by certain things. And you know what? Keys are symbolic of authority. Are you ready for this? So here's what I'm trying to say. This is powerful. The spiritual doors of the kingdom of God are unlocked by the keys of prayer. Put that up there. Put that next slide up there. Look at what, look at what, what I want you to repeat and want you to write down. The spiritual doors of the kingdom of God are unlocked by the power of prayer. Do you know that whoever has, can I, can I preach a little bit? Whoever has the most keys really has the most authority. Because even because custodians could be able, they have a lowly position. A lot of people don't want the job of the custodian because it's a, maybe an undesirable position. But I will tell you this, in any job or any school or any building where there's a custodian, there is the, that is the one man that has the ability to open doors that nobody else could open because they have all the keys. Not even the principal or some of the high-end people have the, the keys to every door, but the lowly custodian has all the keys to the closet come on to the to every single door you know what keys symbolic of our authority that opens doors in the spirit realm and God has named prayer as one of the keys that opens those doors I have given you the keys of the kingdom Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Do you know why I know that most people don't have a revelation of this? Because they tune things out because they're so used to, to, to this topic. They don't, don't realize that God has given us, I could get in trouble when I say this, but he, hear me now. I have an announcement to make. Christians have weapons of mass destruction towards the enemy. And those weapons of mass destruction are not carnal, and they're not physical, they're spiritual, and they are nuclear spiritual weapons that run havoc on the kingdom of darkness, and that is the weapon of prayer. 
Don't you know that it was when Jesus, before he started his ministry, he consecrated himself in prayer? Most people don't care. Oh, I'm going to start my ministry right now. I'm going to start my business now. He, before he chose his disciples, he prayed. The Bible says he was up all night. It doesn't say specifically that he was praying for his d- disciples or, or who he's going to choose. But you could put two and two together. He, the Bible says he prayed all night, and the very next day he chose all his disciples. What do you think he was doing? He was praying, Lord, I'm about, I need people to run with me, to follow me, to change the world. Prayer is the weapon that, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. God gave us authority, not only positionally. We have authority positionally when we're in Christ. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places. You guys are too quiet this morning. But he given us authority not only positionally, but through our mouth. And you know what? Here's what I want to say. We have these weapons of spiritual mass destruction towards the enemy, and nobody is using it. We're not tapping into the greatest power that God has given us. Do you know that God will move at the sound of your prayers? Do you know, I mean, wrap that around your head. Almighty God wants to move, waiting to move at the sound of your voice. That's why the enemy is tricking Christians because he's making it seem like this boring thing. I don't got to do this. I don't got to. No, 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 no. You cannot afford not to do it. As a matter of fact, I, I'm going to get in trouble when I say this, but some of the people that are the most critical of prayer, they're, 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 their lives privately are the most dull when it comes to their vibrancy in God. It's easy to attack something when you're not really doing what it needs to be done to get a vibrant heart. Can I hear an amen? So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. I don't know if you're quiet because you're sleeping or just listening, but it's okay. Either way. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 10. Watch this. Oh, I love this. Remember, what did I say about weapons? Everybody say weapons. Come on, say, I have a weapon. Actually, let me just rephrase this. Say, I am a weapon. One more time. I am a weapon in God's hands. My mouth is a weapon, and it's called prayer. Watch this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Thank God. Because I know some people in here, ex-thugs, ex-gangsters. Thank God. But no matter how hard you are, you can't defeat the devil in the flesh. You can't be like, what's up, devil? I'm going to shank you, devil. Can't do that. Now watch. For the weapons of our warfare, I'm going to be happy right now. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal, but mighty in God. I said mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments, thoughts. Here's a little precursor to what strongholds are. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. Look at what he says now. Bringing every what? Say that loud. Bringing every what? Thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now that, to 50% of you or 70% of you, that's just a cool buzzword that you've heard growing up in church. Strongholds, strongholds. Whoa, we cast down strongholds. We pull them down in the name of Jesus. And we have songs about pulling down strongholds. But what are those things? What, what, what do you mean by strongholds? Now, it's not going to be on your notes, but here's what strongholds were in the New Testament and even in the Old Testament. Paul, the apostle, gave us understanding 
how we can pull down strongholds in our life through prayer. Now, a stronghold were, was fortified cities that were built brick by brick, one at a time, uh, as thick fortresses and walls to cover a certain castle or co uh, cover a certain building or even a town. It took years or and many months to build layers of thick, high walls all over, over this. And the, now hear me, this is going to be prophetic. The purpose of these walls, they were called strongholds. They're actually, they actually good in, uh, in mentioning the good in the, in, the, in the Bible times, the Old Testament time, because they were used to block the enemy from coming in. Listen, they were used, these strongholds were used so that the enemy could not get in. And most of the time they were very effective. But what God is saying here in the spiritual is the same principle but the opposite. What happens is these walls are constructed. Are you ready for this? Fasten your seatbelt. A stronghold is thoughts and ideas and ideologies that you have constructed and believed that agree with darkness. A stronghold, by definition, starts in the thought process by agreeing with the devil, with satanic things, satanic laws, or by agreeing with darkness when, or lies. We call them lies. Let's more modernize it because sometimes when you say darkness, you get freaky. When you, when you believe a lie, strongholds from the enemy first start in the, in the mind, and they lie to you about God's nature. Come on. They lie to you about God's worth for you, about your identity and your position, and these mind things start, start, starts constructing as a stronghold, watch this, to block the light of God hitting your mind. That's why he says when but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. By prayer, you pull down and renounce those lies so that the spiritual wall that's been blocking the presence of God to hit your mind and your heart will now be exposed and the light of God and the light of truth can hit your heart again. That's what strongholds are. They're spiritual walls. Are you ready for this? That are constructed by your agreement with darkness in your mind. That's why he says, by, watch this, casting every what? Thought. So it's, it starts in the mind. It's like it's every false and negative thought builds up a wall from the enemy to stop you. Do you know how many people in the church today are believing the lies of the enemy about who God is, about their self-worth? That's why they're not victorious. That's why there's so much depression. That's why even people with the Holy Spirit inside of them are suicidal and they're depressed. Why? Because they're believing a lie. Come on, church. When you believe a lie for so long, that's a stronghold. And someone could look at you with, and, and, and speak to you your worth until they're, and they're red in their face. And nothing's going to move you because you believe that lie for so long that has become a thick spiritual fortress that you need to start casting down. But guess what? God is waiting for you. He's giving you the authority to cast it down. You have to renounce it by recognizing the lie. And once you recognize the lie, because if you don't recognize the lie, you'll never renounce anything. Why would I renounce something that I believe to be true? If I renounce something, it's because the light went on and said, wait a minute, I am not defeated. Wait a minute, I'm not depressed. Wait a minute, these are not just the cards that God gave me. I'm supposed to live a life, life more abundantly. The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy, but God has given me life and life more abundantly. I am a child of God. I don't have the identity of fear. I am not a wasted person. I'm not the black sheep of the family. Come on. I'm not a reject. I'm not an accident. I'm not a mistake. When you start believing that, 
Those are strongholds that begin to come up in your mind, and it will dictate your actions. Why? Because every action first starts as a thought embedded in your mind. So you are the byproduct of what is in your mind. That's why we have to take authority and pulling down these strongholds. Can I hear an amen? Because he seeks to establish spiritual strongholds in our mind to keep God's truth. I love what Mo said up here earlier. Some of us are waiting for this encounter or this feeling to walk in truth. But you know what? Truth many times will set you free, but many, many times doesn't have feelings attached to it. If we're waiting for the birds to fly real properly and the, word, and, and the weather to be really nice and, and us waking up and feeling the presence of God every time to be able to receive truth, we will never be able to walk in victory. There's times I don't feel like preaching. There's times I don't feel like reading the word. There's sometimes I'm physically tired. But my love for God and my victory is more important than my temporary sadness or my temporary not feeling in the presence of God. Because if I keep pressing in, I'll get the glory of God. I'll get the peace of God. And I know that here's what I've known theologically. That, that I don't have to consult my feelings in order to operate into truth. I've stopped consulting my feelings a long time ago. There's times where I don't feel a lick of things, and I know biblically, in the name of Jesus, would you touch these people right now? And I, inside, I'm like, oh, God, I'm so tired. But you know what? God doesn't say, hey, um, Jesus, they're too tired. They didn't really pray like, like we're passionate, so I'm not going to hear them. No. Even in your weak, tired, yes, prayer, God hears and he answers. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 34? The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. And they hit, watch this, and his ears are open to their cry. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord hears and delivers them from their all. You are being too quiet up in this church here. This is exciting news. You are righteous if you repented from your sin and asked Jesus to come in your heart. That righteousness can never be improved in you because it's the righteousness from God. Now, your behavioral righteousness, that's a different story. You have to walk it out. But the righteousness that is in you by the Holy Spirit can never be improved upon. You know why? Because it's the righteousness from God. You guys are not seeing anything. It's the righteousness of God that is in you. We need to renew our mind in order to pray right. Can I just be honest with you? The reasons why some of you are not, don't have a healthy prayer life at all is because you're not renewing your mind on what God says in his word that is gifted to you as a weapon. If you do a private poll of every Christian, privately, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you do a private poll with no name, you're not going to turn it in. Just you and God. And he asks you this question. What is the weakest discipline in your Christian life? Most Christians will not say their love for God because most Christians say, I love God even in my weakness. They'll say, my personal time in prayer. There's a statistics out there, and I said it last week, the average Christian prays 15 to 30 minutes a week privately. And, and sometimes that's high because we're so busy. We wake up, we get out of the, we, 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 we cook our breakfast, we get out, and you know what? Throughout the day, yeah, we love God because we said a prayer, you know, several years ago, and, the, and there's still some conviction in there. But we get so frustrated at life because we're not refueling and doing the necessary things to spend time with God in prayer. Now, I'm going to get a little deep in here today. Is that okay? So there's three different types of strongholds. So I want you to write this down. It's not, uh, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be on your screen. Now, th there's probably more, and some of you could probably preach this better than me. But in, in my years of study and in my years of, of, of reading the, the, the scriptures and really just diving in to uh, revelation by, by the Lord, by the Spirit of the Lord and others, there's three main strongholds that are that are in the earth okay 
And uh, so I want to break down each of them because the Bible says he's given us the weapons to tear down what? Strongholds. So we already know what strongholds are. They're thoughts that agree with darkness. Right? If you, uh, pause, let me pause and say this, what I feel. Many people will stop going to more counseling sessions if we get our thought process right. Because a lot of counseling sessions are belief systems that we have embraced to be true. Right thinking, are you ready for this? Produces right behavior. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Right thinking will eventually produce right actions. Wrong thinking, receiving those lies, will produce wrong actions. All right? Now, the first stronghold, put it up there, is the personal stronghold. Okay? Personal strongholds, and I talked about this actually, I think when we first launched RCC, I talked about emotional strongholds that come out of a person through a spirit of rejection. There's, uh, and that's a, a powerful a teaching that I did a year ago. But there's personal, everybody say personal strongholds. So personal strongholds are strongholds in the mind and our emotions that bind us, that seek to, to build that tower, that spiritual tower up in our mind and our emotions um, of a collection of ideas that are in agreement with Satan. These, these are lies that accuse Jesus of his leadership and his leadership and accuse uh, us of wrongdoing. So in the first stronghold that we have authority over is personal strongholds. Now, how many know that in this room today, all of us have personal, emotional, and mental strongholds? You've got to, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something really powerful here. No one was born with anger issues. Something happened that you believed in your mind that has shaped the way you think, all right? And you've been in there for a long time without you taking authority over it, and now it's produced uh, something different. How about self-image? We don't talk about that a lot. But think about how you view yourself. Think about how you think about yourself. You know that how you think about yourself is a direct result of either, A, you not knowing who you are in Christ or believing a lie. And by the way, this is a little free. It's not in my notes. Agreeing with darkness is actually hurting the heart of God because you were created in his image. So when you believe a lie, you're actually believing the enemy more than you believe in God. So the first stronghold that we have to deal with is our personal stronghold. Say personal. That is emotional and that is with our, with our mind. Say amen. All right? Those are the, the things that we believe in and how we get rid of them is by recognizing them and renouncing wrong ideas, wrong thoughts, wrong emotions. And we have to go to the root. Please hear me, church. Hear me, hear me, hear me. These emotional and, and, and mental strongholds start off somewhere. Either your father never was there for you, so you have a spirit of rejection, or you have abandonment issues, or you have loneliness issues, or there are some issues of offense and bitterness entered in. And you have to really guard your heart and your mind because if you don't, are you ready for this deepness here? Your propensity and my propensity for disobedience and sin can actually fuel those strongholds. So they actually get stronger. Disobedience and sin actually makes it stronger. You want to you know the bricks and mortar and cement that the, the, the devil uses? This is going to be offensive to some of you. Is our perpetual sin decisions that go against the, the, the word of God. Even though if it's innocent, it's still building up strongholds. Can I hear an amen? That's why, uh, that's why when Jesus healed certain people that were bound in certain things, he healed them and then he says something shocking. He goes, go and sin no more lest something worse come on you. You could open doors. You could open doors 
for darkness if you agree with darkness. That's pretty much a no-brainer. But some people have never heard of the open-door phenomenon. Don't tell me that you love God and are watching a horror flick like seven days, whatever, regularly, or lustful things in, in the television and not think that that's not going to affect your heart and mind. Don't think that just because you're a Christian, oh, you know what, why are you battling fear? Well, I don't know. Or, 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 or why are you battling lust? Lust doesn't come while you're sleeping. It doesn't come through osmosis while you're laying your head on the pillow. It comes through some gate of the eye that you've allowed, which affects your mind and heart. Amen? So the second stronghold, are you, are you getting something this morning? Now, this is good. Cultural strongholds. Cultural strongholds. This is the second type of stronghold, by the way, that we have authority to cast down. Why do we think we have prayer meetings here? Because we're trying to come against those cultural strongholds of our city. What are cultural strongholds? Cultural strongholds are cultural actions and laws that have been uh, placed by individuals over a city, over a region, over a town that is against God's word. Now, how many people, they, they may do it by mistake. They may not do it intentionally. They may, it just may be their belief system. But when you have a city or a town that implements laws, come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen, implements laws and policies in their own beliefs that actually at the end of the day are anti-Bible, anti-scriptural, guess what that will release in the city? A culture of disobedience. If you really want me to be specific, if there's laws passed for illegal drugs to be consumed, then that will create a culture. Hey, it's legal here to consume these illegal drugs, and now you open doors in that city for demonic activity. Or if you pass laws that just says, hey, uh, everyone could do what they want illicitly, and everyone can marry who they want, they will open doors for that promiscuity in the city. Why? Are you ready for this? We as Christians have the authority. We're the gatekeepers of the city. We allow certain things by, by not coming into agreement with them or coming to agreement with them. So guess what? We have to cut, take our place to take these strongholds culturally. How many know and how many sense, if you've been alive more than 20 years, that there's some real cultural strongholds? There's some Listen, the America that we're living in now is not the America that was in the 1980s. It's not the America that was in the 40s. It keeps progressively getting more lax and progressively getting more, uh, 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 more uh, compromising. Why? Because there's laws being placed that now are saying it's okay to sin, and I give you a license to do it at the same time. Don't think that the culture is not going to be affected by darkness because it's agreeing with darkness. So we now have the ability to cast down strongholds personally, but also culturally. We spend two hours here praying that the city of Apaka will be encountered by God, and we address these strongholds. We tear down those lies of the enemy. You know what the strong, one of the strongholds in our, in, in, not all of it, but in, in, in every city, but in really in some of this predominant part of Apaka is the spirit of poverty. And I don't say that in a negative way, but we have, poverty sometimes is a mindset. We have an opportunity to come against that. Church! And the third, the third, uh, some call it cosmos or cos cosmic strongholds. I, I put the, 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 the more 2018 word, spiritual strongholds. Now, spiritual strongholds are in the spirit realm that are caused by principalities, by demonic activity over entire regions. Now, some of you may not believe in that, but it's true. 
If you look at the book of Daniel chapter 10, you will see that Daniel was fasting and praying because God was trying to bring freedom to, uh, to the Israelites that they were going, their, their years of Babylonian captivity was coming to an end. Daniel began to pray and fast. Read it for yourself, Daniel 10. I don't have time. Daniel 10, it will, it will show you. And as he's fasting and praying, the Bible says 21 days later, the angel, archangel, archangel Michael came and, and he released the answer that he says, hey, from the first day, this is so powerful, the angel said from the first day, Zach, put that up there. I, I know that was Daniel, Daniel 10, um, the last ver verse I gave you, the last verse. Look it up on the screen. Watch this. The angel said, Suddenly a hand, uh, no, the last one, the last, the last scripture, verse 12 or 13. There it goes. Now I, ha I have come, <laughs> no. Okay. There, 12, there you go. Then he said to me, do not fear. This is the angel. Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again because I don't think they heard that. The angel said, from the first day you cried out to me, your words were heard. Are you ready for this? And I have come because of your words. Now, now what? The angel came because of words. Now, now here's, here's the principality part, the, whole, the, the spiritual stronghold part. Okay? Keep going. But the prince, prince, principality, of the kingdom of Persia which stood me. Now, this is an angel talking. Do you think he's actually talking about a real prince? Come on, guys. Come on. Let, let's be real. Do you think an angel is going to have any problem with a human prince? Any angel. The smallest angel. No, 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 no. That prince is talking about a principality over a territory that they did not want, the demonic powers that did not want to let go because they have had the children of Israel in bondage for 70 years and, it, and time was up. And now, through prayer, these things had to go. Oh, come on. These things had to go. I need the worship team to come up here. Oh, glory to God. Are you getting something here? You have the weapon of prayer to dismantle personal strongholds, cultural strongholds, and spiritual strongholds in your region. Why are we not opening our mouth to pray? That's going to change, I pray in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, the silence of the lambs is over. It's time to roar and let the shout of God come forth out of the Christian's mouth. It's time to end the silence. Because in your silence, I, listen, I, hear me. Years ago when I was a youth pastor, I was driving and the Holy Spirit said, Son, the devil's power is in your silence. I'm going to say that again. The devil's power is in your silence. If you don't speak prayer, God won't move. Yes, he's sovereign and he'll do what he wants. But he's seeking a partnership in prayer. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? So strongholds are established by the enemy. To, to, to open doors of Satan to build walls. And we cast them down by repentance and through prayer. Now, I'm almost done here. Write this down. There's three ways we each cast down uh, arguments, right? The Bible says we, we cast down arguments through, through prayer, right? Three ways. Write this down. It's not going to be up there on your screen. There's three ways that we, you know, there's one thing to say, okay, that's good and Danny that, that we have the power to, to, to cast down strongholds. But how do you do it? You just say, stronghold, be cast down. Through prayer, you recognize it, number one. So I'm going to give it to you. Number one, we expose and identify the lie. The Bible says when a thief is caught, he must return sevenfold, even up to his house. But guess what? Many times a thief is not caught, spiritually speaking. 
So we have the authority to, number one, expose the lies. How many of you have felt in, in your lifetime that you have believed the lie in your mind about your self-worth and about God? Come on, come on. All of us have. But if you, until you recognize that, until you search the scripture and say, wait a minute, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. Wait a minute. I'm not the tail. I'm the head. Wait a minute. I'm not a defeated one. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Wait a minute. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you know that, guys, nothing will be able to move you. So the first way to cast down these strongholds in your mind and your life is by exposing the lie. The devil hates to be exposed. And can I be honest with you? Human beings and liars hate to be exposed too. Because human liars want to continue getting away with certain things as long as they could continue lying. But until their lie is exposed, they, you strip them of their power. The enemy has power through lies. We have power through truth and exposing it. Come on! The second way you tear down strongholds is we, re is we renounce our agreement with it. Oh, this is good preaching, guys. So number one, we renounce it by recognizing it. You know what I feel from the Lord? Even in your marriage, there's some things that you've been thinking about. Well, I'm too ugly. That's why they don't love. That's why my spouse don't love me. I'm not, I'm not attractable anymore. Or I don't, I don't. Those are lies that are coming into your head. So number one, you need to, exp you need to um, recognize it. Say recognize it. Number two, we need to renounce our agreement with those lies. In other words, 2018 version. Own up to it, baby. It's okay to say, you know what? I repent for this. You know what? I renounce. I'm going to renounce my agreement with this lie that says that I'm undesirable to God because I'm a little overweight. I, see, no one said amen to that. It's okay. Because we look at our self-image and the way that we view ourselves, we think God views us that way. I don't want to look myself in the mirror, so God, don't worry about me. Don't, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm, I'm just, just worried about somebody else. We need to renounce those lies. So listen, it's not good enough that you say, that's a lie, and the light came on. Now you say, you know what? I renounce these lies. I'm not going to believe it anymore. Are you ready for the third one? Release truth. You recognize it, you renounce it, and you release. Three R's. Recognize the lies, renounce your agreement with it, and release truth. How do you release truth? Your word says that I'm the head and not the tail. Your word says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me, you, I shall condemn. Your word says whatever I bind shall be bound in, he in heaven. Whatever I loose shall be loosed in heaven. Your word says that I am the beloved of God. I'm the accepted of the Father. Your word says, you know what you're doing? You're releasing truth. And the devil goes, no. You release truth. How does faith come? Come on, Bible scholars. How does faith come? Come on, come on, speak to me. By hearing. You know what some of you guys need to do? You need to hear your own words speak the word of God. That means speak it out loud. Your word says, and it's quote a scripture. You know what happens? Faith comes into your heart because you're hearing your own words speak the word of God. That's how faith comes. And I'm closing with this. Another way that we increase the power that we already have with prayer is when we couple our words. And we, you want to supercharge to your prayer? This is, this, 
I say the best for last, but it is the most undesirable thing about prayer. Ah, I'm just be honest. You want to supercharge the w- nuclear weapon that you already have spiritually? Couple fasting with that prayer. When you couple fasting, intentional fasting, with your prayers, it is a supercharge that God takes that missile and he, he supercharges it to bring havoc to the kingdom of darkness. Look at this last scripture here. Look at this last scripture. Ma- Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Really quick. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Are you there? Are you there? Put that up there, Zach. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Look at this. Then one of the crowd answered and said, this is a deaf and dumb a person that was convulsing. He was epileptic in those days. And, and the disciples could not cast this uh, thing out, though they knew that he, they had authority. Are you ready for this? This is going to set you free. One of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who is a mute spirit. And, who, and, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him or convulses him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples. This is a little, can you imagine a mama, a mama saying, I, I'm trying to get help. I'm trying to come to your leaders, but they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> or they did it, but nothing is working. So they gnash at the teeth and becomes rigid. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Look at this, guys. Look at this. He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Keep going. Watch this. I'm closing with this. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed. This is so beautiful. Jesus didn't even say anything, because, but he was so consecrated for the Lord that all that person did was kind of an encounter with him without speaking of a word he was already manifesting. See, darkness cannot stay in the same competition with light. Do you know that you have light, the light of God? Do you know that one drop, one drop of the blood of Jesus is more than all the hosts of the, of the devil combined? Do you know the power that you have within you? I don't think so. I don't think so. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Watch. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to this young man? And he said, from childhood. Can you imagine? From childhood this was happening. And often the, the, the spirit has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This is all you need for prayer. Are you ready? Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Notice he didn't say you have to be a pastor, you have to have a theological degree, you have, to have, you, have to, you have to have a Christian for 10 years. If you just got saved yesterday and you believe that Jesus is Lord over all darkness and over all the world, if you just believe all things are possible to those who believe. My question this morning, do you believe who you are? Do you believe who is in you? Do you believe that greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world? Do you believe that? Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, Lord, I do believe with tears, but help my unbelief. It's okay. Say, you know what? I'm not there yet, Lord. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked. Watch, he took authority. Now remember, he's not, he's not trying to have a, a, a conference right now. He's not trying to, 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 to preach. He's taking authority in prayer. Watch. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. Look at this. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he rose. Here's what I wanted to say. And when he had come into the house, privately the disciples asked him, why couldn't we cast it out? Look up on the screen, look at your word. So he said to them, this kind of bondage 
this kind of addiction, this kind of stronghold, this kind comes out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Say prayer and fasting. Say prayer and fasting. Let me tell you, I'm going to be very transparent. I don't like fasting. I like to eat. Amen. Some of you looking at you, I don't like to eat. Yeah, whatever. You got to repent for lying then too. Watch this. But when you couple prayer and fasting, what will happen, are you ready for this? There's certain, oh, I feel this from the Lord. There's certain strongholds in your life. There's certain strongholds in your family life that cannot be broken until you start going deeper in prayer and fasting. And let me tell you, before Esther approached the king, you know what she did? She just to say, I'm a righteous person of God. I know where I'm at. She goes, no. There is a deep, a deep ranking of the enemy that I'm trying to come against, and I can't do it by this level of prayer and consecration. I got to fast for three days. She fasted for three days with no bread and water for God to give her favor. And when she opened that door and, and, and the king did not raise up his staff, she could have died. But the king was compelled by the power and favor of God of her life that happened through a consecrated prayer. And he did not raise the staff, and she came to him and saved all of Israel. Let me tell you, today there are bondages and strongholds that the Holy Spirit told me that are going to shake off of your life if you just open your mouth and say I cast these down in the name of Jesus. I need you to believe that. How many believe that? Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com